I get that we do need to look at how we're parenting young girls and the messaging towards young girls, but I just worry that in leaving the boys out of that conversation, it leaves us kind of without that community of examples. That is Tallulah Hershorn, and this is Tiny Conversations. I'm Brian Colley. I'm trying something different this episode, and I'm kind of nervous. I'm not sure if it's good, bad, or somewhere in between. On this episode, I actually let the guest interview me. It took me a long time to put this episode together, and I feel kind of self-indulgent releasing it. But I'm making a leap, and I'm going to let you decide, and hopefully you'll let me know what you think. Tallulah and I are Facebook friends. You know, the kind who see each other, but have learned more about the other person online rather than offline. She reached out to me after giving birth to her baby, asking me for advice. Me, not being a parent at all, was shocked, honored, and kind of curious. Tallulah, now having a child of her own, was concerned about raising a responsible citizen. She wanted to ask me why, as a man, I'm such an advocate for women and transgender rights, how that came to be, and how she may inspire the same thing in her baby. Here's that conversation. I was convinced the whole time I was pregnant that I was having a girl. I just had this really strong feeling. I think I was originally thrown by having a boy. One of the things that I was concerned about is that he wouldn't relate to me in the way that possibly a daughter would. What I would love for him to be is not just somebody who is respectful and aware, but somebody who is an advocate. And that's why I reached out to you. So how do I raise my son to participate? I've been asked this before. Like I was asked before how, when, when was the point when, when you would have, when you started calling yourself a feminist and why do you think you started calling yourself a feminist? And I think there's a couple factors. One, I have some really strong women in my life. My mom and my two sisters are examples of that. I'm very, very fortunate in that all of them are very, very strong-willed people. And I always remember like as a, as a child, when I did start dating or when I was getting to the age where I would start, then there was a clear conversation about how to treat people. I, I think they might have said, how would you treat, um, how would you want someone to treat your sisters? When did that become, and how did that become, I need to speak up and I need to talk about this? And obviously, from where my five and a half month old son is now to where you are in your life, you know, that's decades of experiences and learning to use your voice and all of those things. What I'm curious about is like, when did you start? chipping away at it and not just understanding it. It's tough. There's a lot of influences that tell me to not challenge things. And I've always had to reaffirm that, no, this is, this is a choice that I'm making and it's a choice I want to make. And why am I doing that? And I have to, I have to be very conscious and confident in that. One of the things that I've always believed is make the changes within your life. Everything yeah, everything else is extra. I think if you I think if you see something going wrong, I do believe that if you have the capacity to do something, you should. 
you know, for example, with street harassment, I, and this, this comes down to privilege, I as a, as a white male face almost no threat calling someone out if I notice they're harassing someone on the street. If I feel like there's, you know, no or little threat or I can involve myself, I believe I have that responsibility. And was that something that came from your parents or do you think that's just sort of who you were anyway? I mean, how do we raise strong young women despite all of these barriers um, and this messaging in the media? I worry that the sort of the white middle class male population of children is kind of being kept out of the conversation. And I, I could be missing a whole section of this, um, but everything that I've seen and that I've been involved with is very much like, how do we work despite this? And how do we, as the women and as the people of color, how does that work to chip away at this and dismantle this? And how do we stand up and assert this? I worry that all of this work is going to sort of end up being a flash in the pan if we don't have that other side participating. There's this great story that I was reading about his father, where basically he realized that he had the opportunity to teach his daughter that it is safe to say no and that people should listen to her when she says no. And she was young and they were always driving and passing the circus that was in town. And she would always see the Ferris wheel and she would point at it and she was like four or something like that and be excited to go on the Ferris wheel. And so they decided, okay, we're going to go to the fair and we're obviously going to go to the Ferris wheel. And when they got there and she got close, she saw it and was scared and didn't want to go. And he said, the instinct was to say, it's okay. I know you want to do this. I love you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to keep you safe. He realized that all of that wasn't relevant at that time because her feeling was, I don't want to do this. And even if maybe things would be okay afterwards, he needs her to feel okay with saying no and recognize that people need to listen to that. And they also realize that later in life, there will be times where people will say those exact same things. They will say, I love you. It's okay. I'm going to keep you safe. And it might not be something as innocent as riding a Ferris wheel. And if I teach her now that when she says no, it's okay, then later when she says no, and it is more serious, she'll already have learned that lesson. I get that we do need to look at how we're parenting young girls and the messaging towards young girls, but I just worry that in leaving the boys and the parents of boys out of that conversation and out of that network, it leaves us kind of without that community of examples. And so, you know, it'd be great if fathers of daughters read that piece about consent, but then it's really hard to find how do you teach your son the same thing about consent. There are still a scary number of messages given to boys who will become young men, who will become men, that basically says, if you are in in, in a, like any sort of semi-sexual context with a girl or a young woman or a woman, it just doesn't put like consent at the forefront. And I watch movies and I'm like, wow, that's assault, that's catcalling, that's rape. And we don't want to call it those things because those things are terrible and awful and scary. And you know what? I wish they didn't happen. I don't know if it, if it ever came up for you in high school. Do you remember ever speaking up to 
other guys in your school about the way they talked about girls and sexuality and their relationships? Did you ever witness that sort of grand, you know, congratulatory bro culture thing in high school? Was that something that existed? Growing up, both parents had the conversations with me, like when they spoke about sex, they spoke about the physical aspects of it. And then they also spoke about when you go out with people, how do you treat them? And think about how would you want someone to treat your sisters? Or how would you want your your dad to treat your mom? Mm-hmm. Like I remember, oh my gosh, I was, uh, I think grade four and there was a barber that I went to and there were in the magazine stands, they were like, there were Playboy magazines. And so my dad would be getting his hair cut and I would just like start sneaking looks at them and everything like that. And my, I mean, my dad is a very, very wholesome person and he had no idea that those magazines existed there. And so I was looking through them and I was bragging about it to friends and word got back to my parents and they sat me down and said, how would you feel if your father was looking at those magazines? And it mortified me. I was just like, no, there's something that's just like, that doesn't sit well with me about that. And it wasn't like, it wasn't, they didn't say that 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 those magazines are right or wrong. And they didn't say that, you know, anything else about it. It was just like, just think about the implication that this has. I mean, we never went back to that barber again. So there was no like belittling, like it wasn't like, you're not allowed to be curious about this and you're not allowed to, you know, like that kind of thing. It was just more, it was more actions than thoughts, right? Like your thoughts could go in any direction, but your actions have implications. I mean, to extend that to when, when I did start to become sexually involved, at that point I was, I would say I was still, I guess a young man and I was becoming involved with young women. There were sexual encounters where everything was on the level there there were sexual encounters where things had the potential to be, I think, very off the level, and they were stopped. And then I've even had sexual experiences that I have regretted and felt bad about and felt pressured about and wished that either A, I stopped them, or B, afterwards recognized that I went through with that because I felt that that was what I was supposed to do. I, I, I never want anyone else to feel that. And I don't know, maybe my parents just really ingrained in me that like any encounter you have with someone, and when I do become sexually involved, that it should feel really great and everything should feel really comfortable. As I'm saying this, this one conversation came up. I was, I was probably in grade 10. It was after work and I was with a work colleague. We would always talk about like relationships and stuff like that. And I was going on with her about how I was frustrated. So I was like, how, how do things progress to the next level? I, like, I think I'm ready for that, but how do you get to it? And she goes, well, um, I know a lot of the other male friends that I have, if they're with someone, they'll just drop their pants. And I went, that works? And she goes, yeah, they just kind of like, it's there and, and they feel like they have to do something with it. And I was like, okay, so in a way I would get what I'd want, but in another way, that just seems very manipulative to me. In the back of my head, I had this, I'm like, that just doesn't seem right. At that point, I realized I don't want to ever manipulate someone into something. And I think that's such an important lesson. 
to parents. I think it would deserve to get brought up. I can't really picture my child at that age. <laughs> like, and that's the other thing, you know, I, I, I think constantly about how I'm going to communicate these really complex ideas to him when he's older and I have to get him sleeping through the night and eating solid foods and like all those things first. I think I was originally thrown that having a boy made it somewhat very different and thinking about, oh, I have to find men to have these conversations with because it is a very different thing. Because a lot of the things that we've talked about, once you really start talking about them, they're not gendered. They're, you know, to have that conversation about consent is not a gendered conversation. And to have conversations about being an advocate is not a, that's not a gendered thing either. I know a lot of women who are incredible advocates and their experiences are just as relevant to me parenting my son as yours are. I think a really great takeaway for me is more just your lived experience. You're navigating the world as a male, as opposed to specific lessons to teach as a male. So kind of keeping in mind what that lived experience is. If you're curious about gender equality and more specifically what the male population can do, there are a lot of great organizations you can check out. One I recommend is whiteribbon.ca. They're pretty awesome. I'll put that link for you on our website, tinyconversations.com, and there you can also let me know what you thought of this episode, share some links of your own in the comments, and listen to all other episodes of this podcast. If you like this episode, it would be really great if you subscribe to this series in iTunes, Stitcher, or really anywhere else podcasts are available. Seriously, it would be a big help. You also get new episodes delivered to you first, which is pretty great. I'm Brian Colley. Thanks so much for listening.